Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nightmares Podcast. How are y'all doing today? Um, I would like to tell you a story, um, a very fun story. We finally got to do something fun, something we haven't been able to do in months. Know what it is, Mark? Location scout. That's right, Mark. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the fucking movie we just watched the other night, but that's good. No, we're not going to talk about that because there's nothing to talk about. The, uh, the, uh... All right, I'm going to say this officially so Brandon can dig this up in a recording at some point. Um, Brandon warned us that Maximum Overdrive would be terrible. Trailer is awesome. The movie is terrible. Uh, Fuck, he was right. (laughs) It was bad, bad. It wasn't fun, bad. It wasn't so bad, it's good. It's bad, bad. Like I, I tried to tell you, other than those couple moments of machines attacking people... Once you get to the truck stop and you stay at the truck stop, the movie pretty much dies. So I understand. Well, this is what happens when you give a cokehead a large budget to film a movie. And I understand in his head, it sounded a lot more awesome and it looked a lot more awesome in his coke-fueled head. But when at the end of the day, it's really fucking like, really boring. It's because nothing happens. Yeah, again, in his coke head, I'm sure he, he said, he said, this is crazy exciting. The trucks are going to go in a circle, and then we're going to go in a circle, and a circle, and a circle. They, and they, they didn't disagree with him, and they went and did it. It was just a really boring fucking movie. Yeah. Where nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, you have tr- trucks circling a truck stop for about an hour. It's yeah. like more, but... About an hour. It's about yeah. an hour, and... uh they don't destroy the truck stop until everybody leaves because reasons. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't even remember the ending. That's how forgettable it was. They all sail away. Oh, that's right. There's a boat. They sail yeah. on another machine, even though they were terrorized by trucks the entire movie. We're going to trust the boat, which is also heavy. That's, that's something I wondered. It's like, why did they only take over the trucks and not the cars, even though it seemed like they took over the cars? It was kind of inconsistent. What I've always wondered why, because this is Stephen King's directorial debut and the only movie he's directed, but I mean, I brought it up last night. It's why adapt trucks? Why adapt that short story? Out of, out of all the books and short stories he's written, why did he choose that one? I, I'm sure there's some nuanced reason, but... But cocaine is the only answer, and I'm not, and I'm not even making a joke like that. Like that's the only answer that I can come up he with. He was coked out of his he, mind. Because even looking at the other short stories oh. in the Night Shift collection that hadn't been turned into movies yet, um, Graveyard Shift wasn't a movie yet. Um, I am the doorway has never been adapted. I'm not sure if that one could really be stretched out to a feature, but that's an option. The Mangler hadn't been adapted yet. Um, the Boogeyman, I know that got adapted into a short film at one point. I don't know if that was before or after Maximum Overdrive, but I think that one would have made a good movie. Um, Gray Matter and Battleground, I, I don't think those would have been good feature length. Nobody's done the jaunt yet. Um, yeah, nobody's done the jaunt yet. That was Skeleton Crew. Uh, Sometimes They Come Back, that one hadn't been adapted yet. Um... Lawnmower Man, <laughs> technically. Well, I'm kind of glad he didn't yeah. do that one because we get a much better Lawnmower Man, what, um, 10 years later? Oh, God, could you imagine? I Know What You Need has never been adapted. Uh, let's see, Children of the Corn had already been adapted. 
uh, one for the road that's kind of an epilogue to Salem's Lot. Um, that cemetery? That had not been adapted yet either. No, he did write the screenplay for that, and that was like three years after Maximum Overdrive. But even just looking at the other short stories in Night Shift, why trucks? The, that's Mark's right. It, it's not even a joke. It's like I'm the only thing I can think of is cocaine. Like if he was really as coked out as he says it was, I'm sure he was probably thinking it was going to be much cooler than what it really was. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and, and I, I could see how someone yeah. would think it's cooler than it actually is, but it's like you take the time, but he still takes the time to write the screenplay, and and so it's like again, it's just like why. Why that one? Yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. And, and I feel that's like, a whole documentary. And I feel and I feel need. like saying cocaine is just too much of a cop out answer. Like, it, it, it's, it's definitely a cop out there, answer. There's got to be because like even on cocaine, <clears throat> why not any of those other stories? Why not any of his books that haven't been adapted yet? Why that one? You know what's something funny, and I have a feeling it's something so arbitrary. Yeah, like he was watching like some action movie with a bunch of cars in it, and then he immediately thought, "I was like, oh, this is cool. Let me do trucks." Like it may be something as stupid as that. Um, and I gotta say, I've certainly partaked in the in the fair share amount of partying in my in my life thus this far, but I may may forget periods of a night. I've never forgotten. A whole movie and a whole book um so that just goes to show you how messed up he was he doesn't remember writing cujo and he doesn't remember directing less so yeah problems but yeah maximum overdrive uh see the trailer don't see the movie the uh not unless you want you know you if not unless you need to waste like an hour and a half worth of your life i Is mean it about it, an hour and a half Brandon? Yeah, it's like 98 minutes, I think it was. Ugh. It still felt longer than yeah. what it really was. It's not a good, like, it's not even a good watch. It's not a fun watch. You, you can't even show it to your buddies and laugh with it. You're just sitting there like, oh my god, this is still going. It's like Chinese water torture. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that we talk about that Stephen King directed a bad movie is more entertaining than the actual movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they is, ever make the, a behind-the-scenes documentary, I'm sure that will be more entertaining than the movie itself. And there are special features on the Blu-ray. There are a couple commentaries. So I, I'm sure some of our answers lie within there somewhere. I just don't know if they contain the specific answers we're looking for. Well, there's Damn a reason it's... to pop in a Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh, I told you it would happen. Oh, they, uh, he, Zach told me literally, uh, I think this morning or last night, he's like, we will watch it again at some point for some reason. And uh, there's the reason. That's the reason. We have to go back and <laughs> we have to go back, Marty. We have to read the commentary. The, um, God uh, help us. Oh, God. It's, it's, uh, the, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's definitely something. Um, I would have loved it if they would have, uh, at the end of the story, uh, they shoved the lady <laughs> Who plays uh, um, Lisa on The Simpsons off the boat? She's literally the most annoying character in the entire She's movie. She's constantly screaming and whining, and then you know, and that uh, that would have been that would have been like hard to picture landing. her as Lisa. Yes and no. I mean, like Lisa has had it does have her moments of being overbearing. So, but I mean, although like, Brandon, you're more of the Simpsons fan, so you would know better than I would. Like this woman's just an annoying coward. Lisa's just an annoying, brave, smartass. I mean, she didn't write the role, so she didn't oh, direct fair herself. Enough. Fair enough. Either fair way, enough. hey, the girl has acting talent. Yep, I she mean, can flip roles. The uh, yeah, I'm gonna blame Stephen King. 
Um, yeah. Because uh, uh, those just because Mark, it. what happens when an actor's given no direction? Uh, you're gonna get a shitty performance. All right then. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. The uh, so yeah, I blame Stephen King. <laughs> I'm sure Stephen King also blames Stephen King. Yep. <laughs> the um, oh uh, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he does have a he does have a fun cameo though there at the beginning. Yeah. That was the one laugh of the entire movie, and then it was downhill from there. Like you said, when you get to the truck stop, it's like, oh god. Yeah, yeah. It's when is this over yet? Are we there yet? I want to know whose decision it was to get the Green Goblin mask put on the front of the car, or the truck. That is an interesting thing. I have no idea, no clue whatsoever. So hey, um, let's get off of Stephen King. <laughs> um, uh, Brandon, what do we do today? We location scouted in a very hot day, so if we ninety-seven s- degrees, so if we sound a little drained, that's why. <laughs> We we also had the annual Fourth of July Midwest Horror Party last night as well, so I, so we were up, <laughs> up, uh, you know, quite a bit, and then also watching Maximum Overdrive, which is exhausting onto itself. Funny enough, mm-hmm. Maximum Overdrive was the most draining part of that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It put two of our guests to sleep. The um that the, the you know I mean I guess that's one way to do it. Like if you're having trouble going to sleep at night, you can just put a pop in maximum overdrive. Because nothing happens. The uh yep yep that is, that is you don't want to take melatonin maximum overdrive. There you go. The uh, it's just ridiculous because of the name. It's, hey dude, hey I need to go to sleep. What do, what movie do you recommend? Maximum overdrive. That doesn't really sound that soothing. <laughs> Um, trust me, it really is. Give it 15, maybe 20 minutes, you'll be out. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's is it so energizing it kills you? I wish. The, uh, <laughs> I wish it just killed me. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good location scout. Um, uh, we, uh, we ended up, uh, meeting up with our other associate producer and good friend Dennis. Um, uh, if you, um, uh, Preston uh, Perspectives? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, we, uh, we did a fantastic interview with him way back when. Um, uh, the, uh, Brand- Alien Penises, if you need a reminder. Yeah, four, um, uh, four idiots. We, we talked about other things, guys. <laughs> yes, we did. They- we talked about a lot of great things, but of course the children are going to remember the alien penises. Cough, cough, me and Mark. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> no, it was, it was one professional and four idiots. Actually, it was three and a half idiots because Brandon was probably the most professional out of all of us. Oh, you're not wrong. The uh, he's like, all right, as I'm shoving an alien penis into David's face. <laughs> She's like the yeah. mom trying to get uh, all the m- kids much to like, fucking leave. Much like Dennis, after some of the stuff I've seen in my lines of work, it's, it just doesn't really phase me. Well, yeah, well, yeah. The, I mean, considering you've been in the cruise business, yeah. <laughs> and really, the most shocking thing to, about that to me was I just wasn't expecting to see an alien penis. But it was like once I see it, it's like okay, that's what it is. It's one of those I mean, days where you know you never walk into an interview or just somebody's house expecting to see an alien penis. But when it comes out, you're either happy, scared, or confused, or all three. Uh, yeah, not, not many people wake up in the morning expecting to see an alien penis, but, uh, but no, it was a fantastic interview. He's an incredibly, incredibly talented guy. Uh, the, uh, I'm going to, Brandon, I'm going to give you the link so you can put it in the description of this particular, uh, podcast so people can go watch it. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, we ended up doing some wonderful location scouts for episode four. Yes, fucking finally. So, oh, God. I know. After months of not being able to do anything, we're finally just able to get some stuff moving forward, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, dude. I'm actually I'm actually really excited, man. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to step in front of the camera for the first time in ever. The, um, it's been, been a good three to four years. It's, yeah, it's, it's been... No, for me... For a real for, role. Wait, well, dude... <laughs> the, the the other one the, hey I was in a film in Kentucky I was a feature yeah the uh, um, either I see a chain gun or it doesn't count they you will see a chain gun when it eventually releases uh-huh. the um, no but it's been a been about three years since I was directed by you oh, yeah. and we've and we've had a we've had that kind of a relationship Six, on set yeah 2016 yep so this would be really really cool yep. the uh, um, I'm actually uh, yeah I'm definitely excited to get back in. Um, yeah, let's get location scouting was it was cool. I was, yeah. I like I have a thing about about going to sets and and you know being on a set. Just being able to go out there and do some work, just in a film related sense, was just so nice. You know, walking through these forests and finding the right location, coming up with ideas and shit like that. Now that I have these locations in my mind, planning shit becomes so much fucking easier. When you have when you can put an image to something, at least for me, yeah. it just like everything just goes so much fucking quicker. So should we go over for our audience and any filmmakers what should go into a location scout? Um, yeah. The first thing you should do is read through the script. Absolutely. And take note of the requirements that your location needs to have. have. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to think of a better word, but heat gets to you. Well, sometimes um, the simple answer is the best one. Yeah. Um, so for example, we needed a road along some woods on both sides and then we needed to find an area in the woods for our main character played by mark to follow somebody into and get surrounded by some other people who of a dangerous nature yes um we can't give give you guys that much yeah and especially with the way that we are planning on shooting it we do want to have a uh one or take going a steady cam shot following Mark and encompassing the majority of the action. So we can't cheat locations. So it's not like we can have the road be in one location. Mark goes into the woods and then we cut to woods in another location. So this location needed to be perfect. Yes. Oh, we can't do the trick from episode two. That hurts. (laughs) No spoiler alerts. We're not really in the left lane. Um, (laughs) Um, no, well, no, the, uh, it was, no. You no, know, it's definitely, yeah, definitely read over the script and I would, and I would dare to say that probably the script, you know, the, the second most important thing is the location, the, or at least on my perspective, the, uh, after the script, the location becomes the second biggest thing. Well, without a location, you can't suit, Correct. shoot, so. Correct. Yeah. Cause we did see locations today where it's like, if we weren't doing the one long take, we could have shot the road at one location in the woods at another location. Yeah. But because we're trying to get it all in one take, all in one shot, that option just wasn't a possibility for us. Exactly. Um, so you not only need to take into account the actions in your script, but how you want to shoot the scene or scenes as well. Um, and then on top of all that, our scene takes place at night. So we have a night exterior in the woods 
So there's probably going to be next to no, probably no practical lighting available that night. Unless we get like a super clear sky. I was going to say, then, if the moon is like uber bright or something, we may get slightly lucky. But I don't know if your camera is going to be able to pick mm, up on that. Probably not. Um, How many more folk candles do we need? The uh, We could always just use our headlights. Um, so, <laughs> yep. Well, Ed, would it? But yes, yeah, so we do. Sure. So we did also have to look at. But um, only if Zach dresses in drag during the time. I will stab you. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so we only had to look. We also had to look at um, location of where the showdown happens. We needed to make sure that we had enough trees there, but also the right kinds of trees that we can rig up lights. And I think that's going to be the toughest part. Oh yeah. Yeah, rigging up lights to the top of trees. Some of those trees that didn't even have any branches. I don't know how you guys plan on doing it, but... Yeah, and we do have rope. We do have clamps. We do have... We can probably hide some C-stands behind some of the trees, yeah. which, I mean, hiding the legs of the C-stands won't be an issue, but the arm, that's... we got to make sure they're above you because well, we, we do have to light yeah. from above because with the one steady cam shot, we are going to be seeing the location... In 360, so there's not a whole lot we can hide on the ground. What you could do to potentially hide the C stand is get some rubber. Um, I forgot what that type of tape. It's the rubber tape. It's black. And you just electrical tape. Yeah, electrical tape. Thank you. And you put it all around the C stand. Or if you only have to do the arm, you put it all around the C, the arm of the C stand. Have it put up. Uh, put some branches on it, and then it'll look like a tree arm. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we could theoretically do. But for the rest of it. Probably some black gaff tape, gaff tape, because that that, that doesn't stick as much. Okay, gaff tape could work too, as long as it's black and it's not too reflective. That's the big thing you want to avoid, is the reflective type. I just know electrical tape isn't as reflective, if I remember correctly, so. Yeah, but for the most part, we do have to light from above, because we will be seeing location in 360 at one point, so we just can't hide much on the ground. Um, and then that's where our additional scouts, or not necessarily scouts, but testing days are going to come into play. Uh, we are hoping to bring our grip out there as well um, so that he can see the location. Because the other thing, too, that we need to keep in mind is doing a one-shot steady cam shot at night roughly, what, three or four pages worth of script? Give or take. Plus, we have a few other scenes that we're going to try to shoot that night. If possible. So we're, prop- so we're aiming for like five or six pages of script in one night, I think. Yeah. Everybody needs, everybody on that crew needs to be as prepared as possible. Exactly. So we don't want, if we can help it, we don't want anybody to be surprised by what the location is going to look like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, I uh, imagine we'll have to bring Wes out there at one point. Mm-hmm. We'll just get some candy and lure him. Want some Bears tickets? That, that's usually how that works. The um, uh, and then I know from an actor's perspective, the uh, you know this is I mean obviously that doesn't normally happen when you have um, you know uh, you know I'm special in this particular regard because I'm also the EP, but then I get to go out there a little bit earlier you know as the actor. But the you know as an acting tip, um, especially when you're going to be shooting in an unfamiliar location. Um, uh, you know, asking the director to get there early or asking them to do some rehearsal time is definitely a benefit. Obviously, I'm sure Zach, you can speak on the director's side of things, but you know, hey, especially look, anytime you can get in rehearsals, it's great. Like, just an example is episode three; those rehearsals paid off. If we didn't do those rehearsals, we may not have finished in like no. the time we did, and we might have been screwed. Well, maybe not entirely, but 
it definitely made things a lot easier. Those rehearsals were a lifesaver. And yeah. the prep we had going in because of it was just phenomenal. Especially considering if you're, you know, if anytime, and this is for all the actors listening, if anytime somebody says, uh, you know, hey, we're going to be operating a steady cam, or if you overhear that conversation, you better say, hey, Mr. Director or Mr. Director, can I get some extra rehearsal time? Because that, because messing around with a steady cam is a lot more, takes a lot more rehearsal, a lot more prep. It's probably the closest thing to doing theater on yeah. film. Absolutely. The, um, uh, like it actually takes choreography. To, you know, you need to do things in, in, in new, you know, an actual chronological order. It's yeah, it's a, it's the closest you're gonna merge um, stage to film. Like you're, you're not gonna get any closer than that. The um, and you definitely need some rehearsal time, um, especially to it. Also gives the opportunity for the you know the DP or the camera op to get in some rehearsal time for that. It's a steady cam is just one of those things. It's amazing, and actually, me as an actor, I love it. I always have, but it, um, uh, but the but it does require a little bit more work than the regular conventional shooting. So if you have the opportunity, get in there early. Try to get as much rehearsal as you can. Um, uh, the I was gonna say a quick tip though, um, from a production standpoint, the if you get a chance to um, uh, get out there, get out to the location as much as possible. Yeah. The um, that's just we will uh, be going back at least two more times, maybe more, uh, to do some camera tests, to do some lighting tests, um, have a backup location because there are two locations we ended up on deciding that these could work. Yeah. Um, one of them we would need a permit for. Another we would need to reach out to somebody else. Yeah. Um, so in case one of those doesn't go through, you have a backup. So hopefully the one we, the one we prefer will come through and then we can start getting the crew on board and really kick pre-production to high gear. Because yeah. once you get the location confirmed, everything becomes, well, a thousand times easier. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Absolutely. The, um, uh, and then goes back to that rehearsal time. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, if any, if episode three taught us anything is that the more prep work you can do because I mean you think about it like it's Brandon you're better at remembering times so I know on that first day we got caught up by the you know the whole emergency situation down mm -hmm. the road how much time do we actually go over um so we lost an hour and a half or it's not necessarily that we lost an hour and a half because we did use some of that time to shoot another scene so in all honesty as time as far as time that we actually lost, lost goes, we probably lost about an hour, um, hour to hour and a half. It did not feel like um, that. It felt yeah. like a lot less than that. And then, and then we wrapped because we were so prepared with what shots we needed to get. We only wrapped twenty five minutes after our scheduled wrap time. That's that's what I okay. Was, I thought that, it was that, a half hour, but yeah, close enough. That, that, that's what I was more thinking of. Like you know, when when was the actual wrap time? So. We we ended up being in a much better position yeah. because you guys had put in so much legwork. If we didn't put in that legwork, it probably would have been one of those situations where, all right, well, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, which I mean, I, I do wonder if we didn't get those delays during the night, we probably would have ramped like an hour ahead of schedule. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that that asshole died and everybody and their mother decided we're gonna go for a jolly good drive, bike, and walk today. 
We absolutely would have finished ahead of time. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that that would have happened. But nope, everybody in the world decided, fuck it, let's go fuck up their production. <laughs> oh, and then there's the time that Mark had to stop production to go chat with people about our movie in the theater. You were not, it, it didn't take that long. It took a good minute and a half. We're ready to shoot. And you're just like, oh, yes, yes, yes. So this is the Midwest tour and everything. And look, I understand you're an advertising I guy. I was working. But when we're in the middle of shooting, I need you to hold that instinct. The, I was working. Or pull him to the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working. <laughs> anyway. Not in the middle of the damn shot. The, uh, but, um, you I'm know. Mark and I sell sales. The, uh, Jesus. Um, oh, another tip. Tip of the uh, locations. Uh, local knowledge will help you out a shit ton. So, if you can, get somebody involved. In, you know, if you're thinking about doing something outside of your particular town. Um, or city. Or city, or state, or whatever the case may be, is you definitely want to get somebody that has local knowledge uh, about the area and could can point you into some direction because that's exactly what Dennis did. Yeah, the, um, yeah. he they, had a few, yeah, like three or four locations in mind that he could show us, and we took a look at them. We walked through. There is one that we knew right away would not work. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the others we actually walked through, and. It's like one of the locations like, okay, it won't necessarily work right here, but if we go a few yards down that way, we can make it work. Um, so yeah, definitely walk your locations, have somebody bring you to locations that they have in mind if you can, if you have access to a person like that. Yeah, yeah it's really nice. This is why it's also good to network. But another good thing about today's location, Scout, is that location that we knew that we couldn't use for this one could easily be used for another project. Yeah. That's a location we now know of down the line that we can use for, like, I don't know, apocalyptic abandoned road type thing. There's a lot of potholes in that road. But, but you know, that's something to be said. You know what, though? And, and that's something important to say about filmmaking in general. Always, always be prepared uh, for the future. So, you know, if something doesn't work out that that time, that doesn't mean it won't work out another time or work and fit for that other production. I, especially for us, we're doing a series. We know, you know, we know that there's going to be several other opportunities for, um, uh, you know, for a lot of other stories or this can become more appropriate. So I think, uh, you know, that's something, another great tip and piece of advice when you're on a location scout. Yeah. Definitely look for other opportunities because you never know who you're going to run into, what you're going to run into. And, you know, if you have public places uh, and you see something that may be cool for it, walk in and, and ask. Be like, hey, you know, I, we're just we're out here, you know, uh, scouting for another thing. We may have something in the future. Would you ever be interested in, you know, chatting about us filming here one time or one day in the future? The, and then you can start to meet people and network and, uh, with that if it is something that you can see being a potential set in the future. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered the basics of this location, Scout. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's a fundamental process. You got to do it. The because um, uh, without a location, you got dig. The um, uh, so you definitely want to have that opportunity. And like Zach was saying, it will inform you about everything else. The um, it'll inform you about ev- you know other creative decisions that you have to make, costumes. You know, in our case, you know um, other accessories that people have to wear, um, and uh, you know other opportunities. So the uh, there's certainly certainly that. So I 
Um, I have a question for the podcast. Oh, unless, well, that, unless well, that, you have one. I, Plot twist. I do. I do have one, but I want you to do it. All right. Because or do we want to say both of ours and Zach decides which is the better one? Ooh, you go first. All right. So mine is, what is the most famous location you've been to from a movie? Ooh. That, or what is your favorite location that you've been to from a movie that you recognize? I don't think I've been to enough, and which is weird. Here's the thing. I know we, we live in Chicago. We've been to plenty of places. It's just um, the locations we want to go, like Camp Crystal Lake. Well, I mean, the other side. I was going to do that this well, year. I'll tell you what, Thanks, Corona. I'll tell you what. I want to do both because um, I like your question, but I also want to do mine. Because I have an answer for mine. And I ha- now I have an answer for mine. He's cheating. He got to go to Universal. The uh, No. Nah. That one. Um, Regardless, he still got to go somewhere cool. Fair no, enough. That's pretty cool. Um and what is a dream location that you've always wanted to film in that hasn't, you know, uh, it could be very, and I go more general, think of that question in a general sense, not more in a specific sense. Come to me last for both of these. The, uh, so, um, uh, and I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first on that so everybody knows what I'm talking about. I have never got the opportunity to film any kind of action scene in a parking garage. And I would absolutely love to do something in a parking garage. The, um, I, I, I want to do it for a really long time. Um, uh, some kind of either a parkour chase or a car chase within a parking garage. I don't know why. I just find them fucking cool. The um, and then probably Wacker Drive from The Dark Knight. The um, uh, being being down there um, and and seeing all the different um, different ones. It's fucking cool, dude. Look for the record. Every time we drive through that tunnel, he always blasts the Batman theme music. <laughs> and you not like saying it. it's a bad thing. It's actually kind of awesome. But you you should know this. The um, uh, perks of living in Chicago. This is very very true. The um, but yeah, it's that's definitely one of the coolest like locations that it, that is filmed. Is it just it just gets you in a mood, like you know, and and it makes me feel exactly the same way I was when I was watching that scene. That that whole chase is just it's just really fucking cool. The um, but how about yours? I'm very curious. The two, um, two answers to both those questions. So for location that I would like to film someday, and this is gonna sound really basic and weird, but I have. A thought process but i have reasoning behind this i would like to film something either a short or a feature on a sound stage or sound stages with sets built by a super professional production designer and because it's not an actual like practical location i can literally design the lighting from the ground up um Soundstage, so you don't have to worry about sound clarity and all that. It is just a super controlled environment. And I think having a soundstage with a really good uh, relationship with, a pro- with the uh, production designer, um, I'd really like to see what I can do in a situation like that. I've, that is pretty cool, dude. I have a Just like whatever the director has in mind, it's just like I'm not constrained by practical locations is i can literally just design the lighting from the ground up make it what we need it to be for the story that is kind of cool though because i mean even just look at the um the wooded areas and ash versus evil dead that those were a stage and that still looks really awesome yeah and i actually does and then just think about like being able to be on the outside of a studio and like just see a giant fucking building and then walk like directly in it and it's like you walked into a different world so that's that's pretty fucking cool so, but I want to hear your the famous one. 
Um, so I have been to, I'm sure I've mentioned this story on the podcast before, but I have been to the Hitchcock steps that were featured in The Exorcist. All right. Um, the steps where he falls down at the end. Um, and I didn't realize it at first. It's something that I kind of figured out as I was there. And so the story is I went out to Washington, D.C., with uh, my DP at the time and our assistant camera uh, for my Watergate documentary. And we got to the hotel and our rooms weren't ready yet. We got there really early. So we was like, okay, let's go for a walk around the area. And when we cross, and there was this bridge nearby and we crossed the bridge, which takes us to Georgetown. And we went up this hill and we kind of circled around the hill and then we found these stairs and Matt and Freddie just walk down the stairs like they're nothing. But I'm just standing at the top. And I'm just like, why does this look familiar? And I'm just slowly walking down the stairs, just looking at it, just taking it all in. And by the time I get to the bottom, I say to them, I think these are the stairs from The Exorcist. And, was like, and they were like, nah. I was like, I'm pretty sure they are. And so I went on Google, Google Maps, IMDb. And, yeah, figured out, yes, these are, in fact, the stairs. People jog on them. <laughs> I don't know how Only they do it without the, yeah, killing themselves. I don't themselves. think they understand the history behind those steps. No, everybody's so obsessed with the fucking Joker steps in Brooklyn now. Yeah, yeah. But they it. don't know where the stairs truly started. <laughs> um, Goddamn and I, pansies. And I actually just thought of something, too. Um, I've been around Woodstock at least... Lisa dozens of times and I've walked in front of that movie theater from uh, from Groundhog's Day I've walked in front of that movie theater where he steps in the pothole um, I've done I've done that dozens of times the uh, and then been in the town square it's actually really cool the um, you kind of get like when you go and visit you kind of get used to it very much like people with the stairs but then every once in a while you kind of catch something catches your eye I'm like holy shit the, there it is that, that that was that thing in in, um, uh, in Groundhog's Day but um, yeah that was cool so Zachary, tis, tis your turn, sir. All right, well, famous locations I've been to, I, I can't even think of any right now. It's like, I, I've gone all over the city of Chicago, so I know I've probably been to something from some movie. I just don't know what movie and where. But location I would like to shoot, ocean. <laughs> Anywhere underwater. Under and above. It's just like, you could shoot so much cool, horrifying shit down there. The problem is the risks that come with shooting down there. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Everything wants to kill you, but it's so fucking awesome. Hey, Brandon, didn't we have a movie that taught us how that's not a good idea? And look at it. It's one of the most famous movies in the world. <laughs> uh, but how, nobody wants to do it anymore because they, they're too fucking pansy-ish. They, no, it's because it's too fucking expensive. But it's worth it. The, uh, tis it. Tis. <laughs> tis. Tis worth it. Tis it. The, uh, I, I wish I could say that I've been to more, you know, like, movie locations, considering how much I love fucking movies, and it's weird that I haven't. Again, I was gonna go to the fucking original Camp Crystal Lake this year, but no! They have a fucking pandemic! Yeah, that would... I have also been to the Jurassic Park waterfall. That's... Helicopter tour. Oh, that's pretty in cool. In Hawaii. That is pretty Again, awesome. he's gotten to take all the cool shit. Yeah, that's... Yeah, but I've never, never got, never got a chance to do that. The um, uh, everybody was jealous of me that day. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I feel yeah. no shame. 
Uh, I mean, I've been to I've been to Venice, um, uh, where you know where they have they they did Casino Royale. They've done um, you know they did multiple different fucking movies in Venice and down the down the Venice Canal where they have the, the gondolas and shit. Yep. The um, been there, so they've done that. It's funny to see Venice after. I had been there in 2000, and then I saw Casino Royale in, like, what, 2006? Yeah, that would have been an 06 movie. The, um, uh, so it was interesting to see that. The um, uh, And then, yeah, the I uh, definitely saw a few things, like um, uh, um, St. Peter's Square um, uh, in, in Italy. The uh, There's been a bunch of movies that have been filmed there. I'd like to visit Venice. Yeah, it's it's, nice. it's, it's a pretty city. It's a very, very pretty city. Um, it's half underground, or half underwater. Um, uh, but it's very pretty city. We should go scuba diving. Uh, no. The, uh, that's very dirty water. I still remember that car chase in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that took place in Venice. <laughs> that isn't... What, what is wrong with this picture? The, uh, there's no fucking roads in Venice like that? They have boats, not cars. Yeah, that's, that's completely unrealistic. That's super interesting. You don't have boat. you don't have Italian cars. job, got it boats. right. Yeah, dude, that's literally like, the, the, it's, they have to, like, it's all, the whole freaking city is on stilts. And and buoys, like it's it's literally if if there wasn't stilts and buoys, like half of those buildings would go into the canal. The um, Jesus Christ, no, why build a city there? The because uh, they could. Exactly, the um, and I'm sure somebody said at some point you can't do that, and they and they did it anyway. The uh, like all great things, they start by saying, "No, you can't do that." Oh yeah, watch me. The um, oh, you know what? That's that's actually a cool question though. Like if uh, what. Uh, what famous location would you like to go see that you haven't? Crystal Lake. I mean, well, yeah, that's... <laughs> um, that's actually a good question. Um, off the top of my head, the day that my dad and I took the VIP Universal Studios tour, mm. they had the clock tower from Back to the Future closed down because they were filming something uh. on it, so I never got to see the clock tower. I would like to see the clock tower from Back to the Future. Yeah, that sucks. I'd love to. I'd actually love to go to Martha's Vineyard, um, where they filmed the most of Jaws. The uh, that would be pretty fucking cool. I would love that. The uh, yeah. go to what is considered the real Amity Island. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 The, uh, that is that is actually correct. That's absolutely a trip one day. The uh, yeah, there's a bunch. I'm of sure it. there's a huge tourist thing just for that alone. Oh, absolutely. Like that one city in New Jersey. Like it's all based around Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, they're just, they're rolling with that. It's just like, oh, we got another one. <laughs> the um, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different uh, uh, different things that I would find interesting. The uh, I think most of like the small towns that Joe Dante used for most of his movies. Yeah. Go visit the town for like small soldiers. To think about how cool it would be to camp where they shot Crystal Lake at. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Which would that have been on location, or did he shoot on the back lot? I don't know. I'm like 90% sure Gremlins was back lot. That would make sense. That would um, certainly make I'm sense. I'm not sure about Small Soldiers. What about, about Matinee? Soldiers. Matinee? Matinee was on location in Florida. Okay. And that was actually in Key West? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head if they actually shot in Key West. I know it takes place in Key West. Um, I mean, honestly, man, you can probably do like most of those islands and they look the fucking same. Yeah. The, uh, like, I mean... Because I was going to say, Matinee did not look They like, did shoot that in Key West, yes. Yeah. Matinee did not look like it was shot on a stage at all. It looked yeah, it real. Yeah, lo- it looked very real. Actually, I'm wrong, too, because Key West is the biggest of the keys. So it makes sense that they would actually do that because it would actually have that small-town Main Street look. That um, that yeah. would make sense. The, uh, but yeah, I would definitely love to go and see that. The um, uh, 
Yeah, Friday the, uh, Friday the 13th would be pretty dope. The uh, not gonna lie, the um, uh, but uh, yeah, probably not doing it this year. Hopefully, I can do it next year. The Fox, uh, the Fox Tower, where they filmed Die Hard. Oh, of course. <laughs> the uh, which I love because it was under construction when when they filmed. So they used a lot of those floors that were under construction. The only thing that was actually built on a soundstage was the actual like where the Christmas party was held. That was the only thing that was filmed yeah. on a soundstage. Everything else was filmed on location. The um, uh, which I yeah, which I found really interesting. And they must said, have been fun and they, terrifying. Fox still charged themselves a rent rental fee, which I find ridiculous. Why? They, I, I I don't know who the fuck movie economics. Exactly. I, don't, don't, you know what? Don't don't dig yeah. into it. Yeah, don't question it too much. It's probably hurt, some tax hurt. bullshit. It's just like if you're, we you're charge only... ourselves, we save money. What? I, okay. You're you're only gonna come up with more questions, okay. and then some guy, someone's gonna be like, "This guy is looking into us too much." <laughs> we all then, go. Then, we then, all end up disappearing. And then, it's like, and, holy shit! What? And then one of my relatives shows up, and it's fucking awkward. We need you to delete this podcast. Wait, why? What did we say? You know too much. You talked about too much. Leave it at that. Uncle Vito called. <laughs> He's like, hey, Marco. Yeah, I don't know about all this. I want to tell your friends mm, to back the fuck off. They, uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of cool locations. Um, uh, uh, a lot of cool you know, places that I love to visit that, that are all based in film. The um, uh, I know, yeah, there's a lot of cool fucking places. Yeah, maybe the cornfield from uh, North by Northwest that'd be pretty dope. Eh, cornfield's a fucking cornfield. Which again, since that was Hitchcock, was it an actual location? Who knows? Because Hitchcock shot like everything on a stage. Did you really? Yeah, like even his um exteriors. A lot of those were on a stage with um. Rear projection. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I'm sure he did. I'm sure I'm wrong. That's just fine. The, um, uh, not, the Hitchcock. not the end of the world. The crop duster attacking north by northwest was shot on a highway. Okay, so that was on location. Oh, okay, right. cool. I don't, I don't feel that bad. But yeah, for the most part, Hitchcock was a soundstage guy. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, uh, so I think we all discussed our favorite locations pretty in depth there. Yep. The uh, the folks, this is what happens when the uh, when the heat gets to all of us. We uh, we kick. We we or we have shorter podcast days. That's a that's okay though. Also, we had a pretty smooth location scout too, so there wasn't a whole lot of like anything to go anything. It's not like no. which location and we like. It's not like uh, Ghostbusters where it's like we're being shown a building or it's like this place needs to be condemned. Um, <laughs> well, it, was, shit. it was a pretty smooth scout. The, uh, you know what it was? Yeah, and that's the funny thing. We normally have like stories about something going wrong or cops showing up or, you know. Uh, well, there's still time in this production. <laughs> yeah, there's... yeah, we're fucking early on. We're just getting back on our feet and shit, so. The, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. The, um, so... Uh, let's go around the table. Uh, Zach? Squirrels. Brandon? Yeah, when you uh, location scout, just be familiar with your script. Be familiar with how you want to shoot it. Make sure the location fits those things. Talk to your DP, gaffer, grip, production designer if necessary. Um, have your department heads involved if possible. Um, 
But at the end of the day, if you're directing, you just got to know what you want and be willing to say this location works or this location doesn't work. Don't be afraid of rehearsal and don't be afraid to come back. Uh, so, and as always, um, uh, Brandon, where can these fine people find us? You can y'all find us. <laughs> <laughs> what in the seven fucks? You can y'all find us here at the here thing. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm glad you're done. Zach. Don't knock my redneck heritage. The, uh, um, as he wears a tie dye shirt. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. All at Midwest Horror Network. And uh, as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Tell all your aunts, brothers, sisters, best friends. Also, please check out our narrative show that we're actually talking about right now, Living Nightmares. And then talk, uh, check out our brand new show. First episode is up of The Screaming Room. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, where we go ahead and uh, we react and then dissect a, uh, a horror movie, um, either based on our decisions or based on a guest request. The, in this case, we took, the, it took a look at the 1987 film Dolls. It was pretty awesome. Check it out. We'll have those links in the description below. Thank you so much as always. We'll see you soon.